being authentically who I am, even on my days when I'm like, I just, I just, I don't feel worthy today. Like that's the truth of what's happening for me today. And being with a partner who can be with that and be, and, and honor that, that it's not sort of like a permanent thing, right? It's, it's a different quality of relationship when you can actually relax into who you are and also be with someone else. I just wanted to mention a few things before we started this episode. This is a replay and I really felt called to share this because this has been an active question in our community of late around what is life like after getting a divorce? When do you know that you need one? And what happens, you know, what happens, especially around the question of, um, what if I don't find someone else? What if this is it? You know, how do I know whether to stay or whether to go. And that's not exactly the focus of this episode, but what I want to say is that I have witnessed many men go through many transformations in the course of our work together. And this is one of the major ones is going from either divorcing, actively divorcing, coming to clarity that that's what's needed, or post-divorce men who want more success with women, as well as men who are in a new relationship, sometimes that's even a marriage, and they notice that they want more polarity with their partner. They want they want more. Um, that's kind of the theme is wanting more. And I think as we're moving from you know, 2023 into 2024, that's a popular question for a lot of us. And so as we're in the season of winter, things um, dying off, being composted, and then new growth coming in in the spring, there's a period of time when the old has gone or is leaving. And then there's this period of quiet before the new comes in. And I think it's important to honor that period. And I wanted to to replay this episode and to just serve any of you that might be in a similar position. And if you are someone who has been through divorce and is now on the other side, for you to reflect on how far you've come potentially, or if you're in a, in a different relationship to just reflect on how far you've come, I think it might be of service that way. I also have a celebration. This is from one of our men who is divorced and is now in a new marriage, in a, in a different marriage, and has done a lot of work um, through, yeah, through our work together around polarity and came because, yeah, he was one of those men who wanted more. And I think this is a very cool celebration. So here we go. My biggest celebration right now is that my wife has mentioned on several occasions that she sees large shifts in my presence, clarity, patience, and overall attitude. We have been communicating more directly and I have been advocating for myself and being more decisive. I had feared that by claiming a more involved role that she would feel like I was stepping on her toes, but instead she is welcoming my growth and takes comfort in my leadership. I love that celebration in part because I think it speaks to 
that fear that a lot of men have of if I change the dynamic in this relationship, if I step up, if I lead more, if I if I do something different, what if what if my wife doesn't like it? What if my woman doesn't doesn't respond well? And the truth is some women aren't gonna respond well. And some women really are. And that's part of the test of a healthy dynamic, of a healthy relationship. And I think what's really encouraging here is just the the comfort. Um, I really feel like that word stood out to me, I guess, as a woman, as a partner, that this woman is taking comfort in this man's leadership, that she is feeling more comfortable and more safe and more held in the relationship because of his choice to grow and his choice to lead and his choice to step into his power more and more. So you know who you are. I'm proud of you. And I I really appreciate all of the work that you've put in. And I think that's going to inspire some people. So if you ever want to get in touch, you can get me at dearmenpodcast at gmail.com. And without further ado, we'll get into the episode. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Dear Men. This one is something I've wanted to do for a long time, and I'm really excited to have a great panel of guys for this guy talk, because a lot of the clients that come through our program are either in the midst of going through a divorce, recently divorced, or have been divorced for a number of years. And I've kind of wanted to get sort of a a narrative out and have, you know, some sort of discussion about divorce and specifically what it's like dating after divorce, because I think that can be sort of a source of anxiety, but can also be a real source of joy. And I I kind of wanted to cover the spectrum. So um, thank you guys for being here. Like uh, all guy talks, we're going to start just by going around and having you guys introduce yourself, just say your name, your rough age, your relationship status, zero to totally taken. And then wildcard question, which today will be, um, what is a favorite way you have of expressing your creativity? So anyone can start. This is Francisco, 49, uh, skill, one to ten, uh, 10, very single. And my favorite way of expressing my creativity is through food. And that's just uh, trying out different foods, different recipes. And I am learning to cook. <laughs> Nice. So you express both by eating food and by cooking food. We will uh, we'll have to do a dinner party post-COVID. <laughs> that sounds great. Um, hi, this is CJ. My rough or actual age is 35. And I am on a scale from zero to take in zero. So hella single. <laughs> um, and express creativity through uh, mostly music and sometimes art and painting and cooking too very nice hi i'm paul i'm 46 46 years of age and um currently my relationship status i really have to say is a nine and even verging exuberantly on 10 Uh, it's it's a pretty good spot right now honestly very happy um how i express myself creatively is i have an art background but I, I really still express myself creatively in in uh, planning and play with um, friends and family and also a little bit uh, within my work too though I do also like to cook like uh, Francisco. I like the the use of the word exuberant there in your description of uh, of relationship status and uh, I like that sort of 
expressing creativity through planning. Kind of a neat, I'd never heard that. So that was cool. Okay. So, um, before we get into dating after divorce, I would love to hear just sort of a snapshot of what was your marriage like, uh, particularly when you knew it wasn't working and divorce was um, an option that you you knew you needed to take. Like, like what was what was your marriage doing at that point? What was happening inside your marriage at that point, and um, what had you know that you needed to get divorced? So this is Paul. I can start. So um, really, I, I was married 17 years, and there was uh, a substantial portion of that time where I really was not getting many of my personal needs met. And frankly, with my background and as, a, as I was raised, I was not very good at even identifying my needs and certainly not giving voice to them. And that's how it went uh, in the marriage. There were um, there was not a lot of the affection and closeness uh, that I was wanting and needing. Um, same thing with uh, sexual relationship. There was some uh, dependency in that relationship as well. And um, I didn't feel safe to voice those needs, even when I might have been able to do so. There was a bit of a collapse around it every time. I became numb to the situation, focused really on work and kids. And and then really as we're, my daughters were getting to the age to where they were going to be um, moving out and moving, uh, leaving home as I was just uh, approaching, uh, not even imminently, but close enough, that I started to think about, is this really where I want to be, um, just the two of us um, for from that point on? And that was really the point where I, I felt like I needed to make a change and choose myself. Thank you. That's poignant, especially the part about maybe not even knowing what your needs were and not being able to speak to them. And then what I heard loudly in that also was not feeling safe to be able to do that with your partner. And this is Fran Francisco. Uh, and for me, uh, see, it, it, it's part of losing your identity. Um, you're pretty much putting everything on. A, I was putting uh, my partner on the pedestal and um, and, I, and that's all wasn't meeting. Was it recognizing my needs? And at the same time, I feel like my needs were being met. And, and then my identity was all, I felt like it was being um, just uh, snuffed out. And so that, that so it came to that realization for me that, uh, it's, that something hadn't changed. Um, and of course, we saw medical counseling, but it finally reached a point to where it couldn't, it couldn't breach or we can come to a consensus and we just amicably parted our, went our ways. Yeah, I found myself a little sad when I heard you say feeling like my identity was being snuffed out. I think there's something powerful about that as a metaphor of sort of feeling like you weren't even maybe honored or I don't know, seen in some way mm -hmm. that, you know, to have your identity snuffed out. It's a, it's a powerful metaphor. Hey, this is CJ. So, I mean, the marriage for a long time, for a lot of years was great. Um, There's a lot of really great chemistry, a lot of really great highs. Um, I'll echo what, 
what both Paul and Francisco said about, you know, toward the end when I felt like I wasn't meeting her needs, it was, it, it became a cycle of trying harder and harder and therefore letting go of my own. And um, again, ex echoing what you both said, letting go of my own identity. And I think that did a disservice to us both. You know, it was all about serving and not about being my best self, I think. <clears throat> and um, the only thing that I wouldn't echo just due to my own circumstances, I never I never personally had that realization that, okay, we need to end this. It, it, we, I was the one who was hanging on, hanging on, hanging on, trying to make it work. Um, and in the long run, um, I think that led to a lot of the anxieties that I'm sure we'll talk about in a you know, in a moment here, um, you know, where it may have been better for me to see the writing on the walls, accept it and take the bandaid off earlier, um, so to speak. But I mean, aside, aside from that, um, yeah, I very much, um, echo and resonate with what you guys both said. Yeah. Thanks for speaking to that experience, CJ, of hanging on. Cause that, is something that I am curious about in terms of the actual divorce process for each of you. I'm wondering, you know, I, I think like any breakup, there's stages of a divorce. And I'm wondering if you can speak a little bit to, if each of you can speak a little bit to your process around the divorce itself, right? Because there's a lot of grief. There's the letting go of the identity of being married, like, I'm no longer married or I'm considering no longer being married. And, and, and that grief of like, I thought this was going to be my life or I thought this was going to be my future. You know, there's a lot that goes along with it, along with the letting go of this particular person, right? There's more than just the person, there's the identity around it. So I'm wondering if each of you can sort of speak to the actual experience of getting divorced and how that was for you emotionally. Yeah, this is Paul again. So I, um, for me, I don't know if I struggled as much with this uh, issue of identity, or I know that some feel like they have, you know, um, you know, that it feels like a failure, or um, they feel like they've let themselves down or those around them down. It was, for me, maybe less of that. I think what had happened, honestly, is that I had, I had thought about it intermittently for many years, honestly, and I just kind of accepted that this is what's for me. This is just what I uh, deserve and what I will do and how it will be. And I just kind of kept going with it. And um, I, for much of my life, I would have thought that sort of making a big choice that results in disruption of um, our family and affected my daughters and um, my ex-wife in the way that it would to leave uh, would have been just this, you know, selfish kind of choice that I didn't deserve. Uh, my issues were more there. So it took a long time for me to feel okay enough and, and frankly afraid of not making that choice enough to, uh, to initiate that. And then I backed off a little bit and went, went to counseling again. I wanted to be sure I needed to not have any regrets about it. And then it was, it became very clear during a period of, counseling that there was not really a way forward that I, I couldn't get to a point we couldn't get to a point where I could be uh, open and safe and secure with um, 
with bringing things to her. Uh, that's where my struggle was. Yeah, thanks for, for naming that, especially that word selfish. I think there's a lot of angst around the word selfish and around the idea of being selfish. And I do think that it's worth distinguishing between being selfish and honoring oneself, because it sounds like part of what you were doing was, is this, is this going to honor myself staying in this relationship? Is this honoring of myself? And when you determined it was not, that you actually had needs that were legitimate, I think that it takes a lot of courage to do that. And it's, it's commendable, but I think that's, it's just such an important thing to pull out because I think there are so many of us that are terrified of being seen as selfish or identifying our own selves as selfish that we continually sacrifice our own well-being until we stop doing that. This, uh, Francisco, uh, for me, um, just the letting go, yeah, it's, it's just reflecting back on, well, well, what if I did this? What if I did that? And, um, and just having to, I think for me, it was a struggle just to feel set with that, with the pain of, uh, of loss, grief, and, um, and realizing that, okay, uh, this is it. And, and trying not to look back. And it, it was just the overall struggle for me to let to let go. And, and just then, um, Paul mentioned going after seeking counseling afterwards. I did, I um, went through counseling myself afterwards or continued going and, um, and just suddenly come to terms that, you know, that it was what we went through, the experience that that was not the end of of it all you know there's still more to more to like more to look forward to. and so that, and that was that was challenging um and especially transitioning another you know another aspect of my life also and um and so that was so it's just accumulation of things that you know just you know just knowing that everything is going to be okay once you go through this. Right, because as you said, it's a major transition, but I I have a lot of respect for for you getting counseling after also to help with the grieving and to help with the whole process of transition because it is kind of a major life transition to go from being married to not being married anymore. Yeah, this is CJ. I mean, for, for me, the the divorce process was really extremely drawn out. I mean, we have been separated for about four years now and only finalized divorce process about six months ago. It wasn't a long, lengthy, years-long battle. It was just we hadn't, um, you know, pulled the trigger on actually making all the paperwork and court legal things happen. <clears throat> but as far as stages go, I mean, I didn't fully let it sink in and let myself believe that there was nothing I could do to hold this together and until I mean there was until she was out of the house and already living somewhere else and I remember one moment on the phone <clears throat> specifically 
where I straight up asked, do you need me to let you go? And she said, yes, <laughs> at that point. And uh, that, that was definitely a moment where, you know, I sat with that for the rest of the night. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, like, like I said before, I mean, that was kind of the theme of it for me was, um, <clears throat> you know, what, what can I do over and over and over again to hold this family together and to, and to make this family unit last. That was um, kind of the crux of it for me. And so, yeah, letting go um, didn't really come until I was forced to look at it and, <laughs> and make myself let go, you know? Yeah, I'm wondering, you know, if those of you that are fathers on the call can speak a little bit to that experience of, you know, I think there's complexity when there are children involved. I, uh, my parents split up when I was three years old and I'm extremely grateful that that happened. I think that it would have been awful to grow up with them fighting all the time, which is absolutely what would have taken place knowing the two of them. And I would not have wanted that for myself. And I think there's a lot of sort of, um, you know, this school of thought of, of staying together for the kids. I do not ascribe to that. I think it's actually worse to grow up in a toxic house where parents are either fighting or just not passionate about each other and are sort of modeling a tepid relationship. So I'm just wondering if you can speak to your experience as dads going through this. Like, did you have that sort of, oh man, maybe I should, we should stay together for the kids or I should try to, you know, just grin and bear it for the kids did that come up for you and how did you how did you handle that in terms of your own process for me it wasn't a stay together for the kids kind of notion it wasn't a it wasn't a feeling of this can be terrible just so we can all be in the same house and the kids will see something pseudo normal it was a um really wanting it to be fully repaired um kind of notion. So no, I, I fully agree with that. Right. I'm, I'm grateful that my parents had split up too. <laughs> it was nice to have them both peacefully and individually rather than, um, you know, the toxicity of them together. So toxically together. <laughs> yep. 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 By the way, that'd be a great, uh, a great name for a book on something. <laughs> Just Paul, for me, I felt a lot I just felt a lot of guilt. I felt guilt that I was letting down the person I was supposed to be taking care of. I felt guilt about um, this being a source of trauma for my uh, teenage daughters. Because there wasn't a lot of fighting. It wasn't that kind of yelling and shouting. I mean, there were certainly times where where it, the, it was really emotional and there wasn't good communication. And some of that was, of course, visible. But it wasn't that kind of scene. And I, and it wasn't, I, I didn't really think about staying together for the kids. I just felt like I, these people I, I are my loved ones and to take care of. That's my job is to take care of them. So I felt guilty about that. However, afterwards I was, there is of course some grieving of the, that breakup of the family unit amongst my daughters, one more than the other, but they also both uh, were, able fairly early on to express um, some gratitude and, and that it was the right decision for for both of us to to separate which 
helped ease a lot of my um, my um, feelings of guilt and concern around that. That's pretty great. I mean, I really I feel like that speaks a lot to your to the health of your relationship and the health of your family that you're yeah, that your kids were able to sort of recognize like, hey, this is better. You know, it's not necessarily easier, but it's right. It's right. And this is what this is what was called for. So um, <clears throat> uh, Francisco, did you have anything to add around that conversation? Well, myself, uh, not being a father, <laughs> it was, um, yeah, it was, it was a different experience. Uh, and for me, it was just uh, explaining to my parents uh, that who've been married 50 years and then, and then that uh, I was going through the divorce myself. And then, so yeah, that, that was quite a challenge. Um, I, and just, uh, how to break the news tool was was um, not easy because it's and just knowing that you just it's also letting well from my um, you know, once that marriage is over, you know, knowing that I don't you don't have that connection with them anymore, um, and knowing that that's a loss and that's and so now you're wondering well what is you know the next step you got to yeah and when you say you know a loss of connection do you mean with your ex-wife or yeah. with oh yeah 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 well it's a strange thing right when you're in a relationship with someone and then it ends it's sort of like there's this person that you shared all of this stuff with right? your feelings, their feelings, your lives, the minutia of your lives. And then all of a sudden they're not <laughs> it, there. It's can be very jarring. So, okay. So, so moving forward in time. So now you're divorced and I'm curious to hear from each of you about what happened next in terms of your dating life. Did you take a break from dating? Did you get out there immediately? What was your, like, what were sort of your, maybe some of your hesitations around dating and what was some of your, your intentions around it? Uh, this is Francisco. Uh, for me, it was just, uh, well, we reset, it's building my identity, reestablishing my identity and and finding myself because now it's no longer plus one and so it's just yourself. And um, and for me, I just had gone through a transition I just uh, also job-wise too. And so, and uh, so I had to reestablish, build my career. And that was pretty much the focus. And that's pretty much what I did for um, just about the first, uh, just about the first year after my divorce was settled. And so I just just focused on the work. And so I didn't jump back into the dating game right away. This is Paul. For me, I was, um, I was, I got divorced thinking there, that there must be, uh, there could be something different for me, a different kind of relationship. And I didn't really, formally go back and start dating per se, but another uh, relationship opportunity presented itself to me fairly quickly, uh, which I pursued, though 
I think I was not really as, I wasn't really ready at that point in time. And I ended up chasing a little bit of relationship with someone who wasn't going to be emotionally available to me at all either. So it didn't, it provided me, that provided me a lot of frustration for a while and, and not really uh, uh, satisfaction when I was what I was looking for. So um, that went on for a while. And then I um, um, moved on to a different relationship, which ended up being a longer term, almost, almost two year relationship uh, that had a lot of very good, uh, especially in contrast aspects to it, um, remarkably good. And then also, uh, uh, remarkably uh, painful. It was quite a, um, but an important transformative experience, though, for me. So you, so you had a rebound, and then it sounds like then you had you had an, another relationship. And I just wanted to um, hear about this. You said there were some contrasts, and by that I think that you meant that there was some contrast to your marriage. And I'm just wondering if you can speak a little bit to like what was the contrast and, and was it sort of like oh wow I didn't know relationship could be like this like what was the difference in that relationship versus your marriage because I, I do think there's so much value and utility in dating and being with different people and understanding what it actually feels like to be inside of different relationships because aspects of ourselves come out that maybe weren't there before or as expressed before or just I just think there's so much value there I'm curious what your experience was. I can't agree more. I feel like I, I have had a lot of things to work through from my in my life and a lot of things that have affected me in relationships, some things I could see and some things I really could not see. And, and I've been able to find, you know, been forced to reckon with some of them. And I've really been able to find healing of things within relationships. And so, the, and this was uh, this next longer relationship, there was a different level of communication and connection and, and, and support and uh, in, in so many ways was a much stronger woman in her life, um, which was uh, different and communicated in a completely different way. Uh, that was, uh, especially at the beginning, I like I could uh, bring myself more there. Um, certainly from uh, the standpoint of um, physical touch and infect and affection, it was a very different experience. Uh, there were there were a lot of things that opened me up in that relationship, and then I also encountered a lot of my own um, issues around worthiness and shame, um, and uh, and some uh, and I guess personal fears that I had had from really early life kind of experiences that really got pushed and uh i was kind of frankly forced to see myself in a way that i don't i, I think i was uh, some ways that i was blind to before um and so it was there was quite a lot to be gained from that relationship uh, and as much as difficult as it ended up being especially uh, the latter half of it i mean extremely painful it's i'm really tremendously grateful for that experience uh, because it's helped me be frankly ready for this relationship that I'm in now. I don't think I could be where I am now without these experiences and other, and other relationships that, you know, didn't have long-term success. Yeah. What I hear in that is it brought up a bunch of trauma 
<laughs> right? Relationships have a way of doing that for us. And you mentioned sort of early childhood stuff and just, you know, when our trauma is brought to the surface, it it is an opportunity. It's an opportunity we can either not take or we can take it and face it and work with it and everything that comes up out of it. And I feel like that's, you know, at least from what I know of you, that's what you've done. And I really have a lot of admiration for that because it's not easy to do that, but it is something that just becomes the foundation upon which a healthy relationship is built. The willingness to actually face those aspects of ourselves and integrate them. That's, that's that word integrate exactly what I have in my mind. And this relationship with this other um, woman had a, a tremendous amount of her own early life trauma and and there was an inability to have that really fully integrated and, and there were too many bad patterns that developed between the two of us. And so now I'm with a woman who has her, has significant um, uh, past pain and trauma as well, but it, she's integrating it very differently and things are always, there's nothing between us. It's, it's, uh, we're both doing work and, and we talk about it and, and move forward. And it's, it, it's, it's frankly a revelation of an experience to be in. Yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, this is CJ. Um, yeah, for me, there was it, it was kind of a two-sided experience for what happened next. I would say a healthy side and an unhealthy side. Um, first of all, I guess on the healthy side of things, um, I remember a distinct moment where, and so a little bit of background, like my... Um, both my parents um, and my older brother had um, some pretty extreme issues with with addictions. Um, um, my dad, in particular, um, was pretty heavy into alcohol, and um, I remember a night sitting in the in a big quiet house by a fireplace, <laughs> um, looking at the liquor cabinet, and then looking at my guitar hanging on the wall, and choosing the guitar, <laughs> and. Uh, picking it up again after years and i mean I, I noodled on it from here and from time to time but i never really played and expressed myself for several several years uh but i picked it up and dove full back into it and um uh just discovered not invented but um stumbled upon uh, a new style of music that i've really come to fall in love with and started writing um and that led me to um, going out to open mics and starting to build community and building friendships. Um, so, I mean, it was really just a deep dive back into myself, back into my passions and back into just building myself creatively and in friendships and community. And I'm, I, I I'm, I'm not going to sit, claim a whole lot of credit for it because I thought I was just going to go be brave and get up on a stage and play some music and feel good about myself. But what I stumbled into was a community of really amazing people. Um, and I've developed some solid friendships. Um, yeah, and that's been incredible. Um, on the unhealthy side of things, just as far as seeking relationships, because like I said, I, I held on for a long time and I, I had so much identity wrapped up in the relationship and that family unit being held together <clears throat> that, yeah, I mean, 
like, like you said, those feelings of feelings of failure, feelings of unworthiness. And at the time, I mean, I've had a lot of time to reflect and do some work and talk with other guys and, and get some things figured out. Um, at the time, I thought I was just wanting to date. But there was a, a massive pain there that I was trying to heal. Um, and this isn't a pity story. This is just facts. This is just what happened. <laughs> um, and it was, and as I look back, it was a lot more about, am I worthy? Will a quality woman say yes to this person? Um, you know, after, after spending every ounce of my soul <laughs> to, to, and, and just watching it dissolve away anyways, um, that left, um, yeah, that left some hurt and that left some, a lot of feelings of shame and unworthiness. And, um, yeah, so the, the, the mindset I was approaching dating with, um, wasn't, wasn't right. <laughs> um, overall in my life, the arc of my story from there, I think has been overall positive. Like I said, just getting back into creativity, getting back into community, um, just taking myself on uh, nature trips and coastal trips and, and um, investing in myself and um, connecting with other guys and um, finding the program that I met uh, both Paul and Francisco in and um, really seeking connection. Um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's, a, it's been a, a double-sided coin, I think. You know, I'm really struck by the bravery of that moment that you described of sitting in the living room or whatever room you were in, looking at the guitar and looking at the alcohol bottles. Like to me, you know, you mentioned something about the bravery of sort of getting up and performing in front of a bunch of people. But to me, that's the brave moment. That's the moment that when I hear that story, I'm like, wow, that guy's a rock star. Like that's one of the bravest things. Yeah, that's just, it's really brave, especially given what you, you know, mentioned of your family history. I also have alcoholism in my family lineage. And I think that it's, um, I don't know, it just substance abuse can be so destructive in mm -hmm. such a number of different, different regards that I'm just, I'm really impressed by that. And then the other thing that really stood out to me, you said it better than this, but something like, will a quality woman say yes to this? Hmm. Like, will a woman say yes to this? And I just feel like that cuts at the heart of so many of our, our client stories and just that, that fear and almost like exhilaration all at the same time. Like, is this enough? Am I enough? Is this going to, you know, work? Is a, is a woman going to say yes to this? Like there's such a, a raw quality to that question. And, um, yeah, I yeah, just really feel that, you know, when you, when you, when you say that, I, I feel that sense of, is this enough? Am I enough? And that, you know, I think that, um, I mean, I, I would love to hear from you. Like, do you feel like, you know, do you feel like creativity or you kind of reclaiming your selfhood? Cause that's a little bit of what I hear in, in the music and also like taking yourself on nature walks and finding a brotherhood and finding community. It sounds like you sort of coming back to yourself and from that mm -hmm. place, how, how has that impacted that, that question for you? 
Um, <clears throat> monumentally, like I said, I, I think I, well, I don't think, I know I started from the wrong mindset as it, re- as it pertains to relationships, to dating relationships. Um, <clears throat> but it, it was less of an exhilarating question <laughs> for me. And it was more like, I, I felt 100% unworthy and I was looking for that, for somebody to come heal that pain, somebody to come say, yes, I will say yes to you. Yes, you're worthy. Yes. And, and since then through community and through reflection and through heavy intention um i've i've put a lot of work into finding that value in myself um whether it be from friends or be from anyone else like it it's been just a major paradoxical shift. I think there's a better word for it that I'm looking for, but (laughs) paradigm shift. That's what I was looking for. Um, Because if I'm honest, even even as I look back through my childhood, before I even met my ex-wife, it was always about validation. Um, I was always looking up to mom or looking up to dad or looking up to big brother, looking up to somebody to acknowledge the fact that I was doing this right, whatever this was. Um, So in that sense, I could not be more grateful, um, for these experiences. Um, I feel like I I got married very young or, um, at about 23. Um, we met when we were, uh, 18 years old, right out of high school. And then it was just like, yay, we're in love. Let's get married. (laughs) Um, so I, I feel like I missed out on a lot of growing up opportunities and this just was like an asteroid in a good way um to a lot of um delusions i had um and needing that validation externally and and yeah so i mean the the to answer the question that um getting into creativity getting into community getting into um just focusing on my internal world <laughs> um has been just massive and acknowledging myself and that that's been the big shift for me it hasn't been going out and finding all these great relationships um it's been not needing that yeah thank you for speaking right. to that because you know i think the the title of this episode sort of dating after divorce places a focus on dating but what you're pointing to is Sometimes dating after divorce is about not dating, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's about learning who you really are and growing right. up. Right. Yeah. And there's and there's nothing wrong with with dating, but it, my approach I think was the wrong one and I needed to take a step back from it and just fully take a deep dive into myself and yeah. and let go of the, that need for validation and rebuild it from the ground up. Yeah. Yeah. And what you mean by the wrong approach was sort of be, maybe dating after your divorce in an attempt to find someone to validate you. Is that what you mean? Yeah. And to, an attempt to reestablish that worthiness because like you said from before, the, some quality woman said yes to me, therefore I'm worthy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say it occurs to me as a, actually quite a brave act to do that to say I'm, I'm choosing not I'm choosing to not date because I know that I'm not coming at it from the right place I'm choosing to 
cultivate myself and work on myself before, before that again. I can recognize that for me as, as being very smart. Um, and I, it's, it's shown itself in my, my own personal experience and listening to CJ and being part of the men's group is how essential it is to uh, find and find yourself and your true authentic self and worth in yourself first uh, before you can really be uh, in the kind of relationship that you likely want. I mean, it's like you can convince, and I think I've done this in my past, or, you know, convince someone that to like a false or incomplete version of yourself. And it feels good. Like it feels like an accomplishment, like you've achieved something or like winning, but it's then it's fundamentally insecure because you need to figure out how to keep winning after that. And so it's fragile. Um, and you don't really know what the other person really sees in you. You don't really necessarily believe it because you don't necessarily believe it yourself. And uh, so when it comes from yourself first and you know your worth first, you can be your more authentic self. And then when that's accepted, it can really allow, I think, full kind of relaxation and security into a, into a relationship. But the focus has to be on yourself first. For me. Yeah, I love that. And it's, and it's not like a, a sort of like, I found my self-worth and now everything is good. Like it's a moving target, right? It's, it's not like you find yourself and you're, and you're like, I'm worthy all the time. Like we all go through periods mm -hmm. of feeling like shit about ourselves or feeling unworthy. And that extends, you know, we have those moments in relationship too. But what I, what I heard and what you just said was if I present myself a certain way and then someone gets into a relationship with that version of me and I constantly feel the pressure to keep up that version of me, you know, that's exhausting. It's taxing versus being authentically who I am. Even on my days when I'm like, I just, I just, I don't feel worthy today. Like that's the truth of what's happening for me today. And being with a partner who can be with that and be, and, and honor that, that it's not sort of like a permanent thing, right? It's, it's a different quality of relationship when you can actually relax into who you are and also be with someone else. Yeah. It's vulnerable. Cause you, but so to be in a relationship where you can then bring that forward and just you know, bring it up and I can have it met and seen and, and held. And, and then, and, and it goes back and forth or where the um, it's overall balanced, but sometimes the level of support shifts one way or the other. And, and it's all out in the open. So there's not this other additional layer of fear behind, you know, having those feelings and how would that be perceived even um, as a, a weakness or something um, being able to, bring it forward and, 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 and share that and have someone who can hold that and meet you there is uh, incredible. Yeah. And I want to, I want to echo to Mel, um, what you said about, you know, you, there is no such thing. I, you, I think you said it better than this, but there's no such thing as that moment when you have found yourself and now everything's great. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the beauty of this process um, from my experience has been more so just finding those tools so that on those days when you do feel like shit, um, you have the community, you have just the tools you've picked up along the way um, to fall back on. And it's, it's just 
when you've been in a state of extreme shame or feeling extreme unworthiness, you you want that. It's like you're reaching for that. You're like, what's the thing I need to do? What's the step I need to take? What's the what's the thought I need to have or the mindset I need to shift to just break out of this and be fine now? Um, but it's so much more about just understanding what the tools are and remembering them and allowing yourself to have regular feelings and normal bad days. And um, and then when they come up again, you know, don't feel like, oh no, I'm going backwards. <laughs> just be like, okay, I remember this. I'm familiar with this. I know it very well. Been here before. And here's some tools I have. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Francisco. I just gonna, you know, just circle back to you know when after divorce is that you know you know with CJ and Paul mentioned you know making those you know reconnect finding yourself reconnecting well reconnecting with friendships and and that's kind of the path that I take that I took but at the same time. Uh, for me, like my fallback is to throw myself into my work, you know, and, and of course for me growing up was, okay, this is my work ethic. This is what's still in me. And, and so, you know, that, so after, for that year and a half, three year, I just threw myself into my work, but at the same time, I looked at, when I was like back on it was, I really trying to find myself again, or was I running away from something? And so, you know, so decided to slow down and, you know, it, it talked about, you know, I'd reinvest in myself. And, um, and so that, that was, uh, that was a very uh, challenging uh, step for me. Just to, okay, I got to do not feel selfish, uh, honor myself, and um, and at the same time know that this is part of uh, moving forward. It's so poignant what you're saying because the you know we talk about workaholic and workaholism, but. It's really true that we can use work as a way of numbing ourselves from emotional pain or other things that we don't really want to look at. And I was really, I was really struck by what you said about slowing down, right? Like that slowing down was a step that you needed to take in order to move forward. It's interesting, right? Slowing down in order to move forward. It's like, if you're going really fast and you're doing a lot and there's all of these distracting projects to take up your attention, it sort of affords you no time to grieve or to actually go through messy feelings. And some people spend their whole lives doing that, right? Some people do the workaholic thing until they die. They just don't ever slow down. And again, sort of to speak to that sense of bravery, you know, I think it's really brave what you did and this, especially the slowing down part and recognizing, am I, you know, am I, am I running away from something in this, you know, what's actually happening for me. And um, the other thing I really wanted to sort of highlight from your story, um, Francisco was, 
you know, you mentioned having to break it to your parents. And I have a close friend who is Christian. And when she got divorced, you know, breaking it to her parents was, it was a huge deal for her around, again, around identity and around failure and sort of, I'm not supposed to do this. I was supposed to be a good Christian and and till death do us part meant till death do us part. It was heartbreaking Mm. for her to um, have to go through that. And so I just, I wanted to honor that part of your journey and just pull it out. Cause I think there are a lot of people for whom that's also true of like all of these other people are involved or it feels like all of these other people are involved. All of these other people's expectations are involved around a marriage that aren't just the two people at, at its core but I was, I was touched by that of like, oh man, that's, that was hard. Like that was a really hard part of that journey for you and many people. Yeah. But it, yeah, the realization was, you know, it, you don't realize how many, how many, how your circle of friends and family are part of that process, part of that process. And, um, yeah, that was, that was very, uh, to me, uh, it, very challenging, uh, definitely very, uh, I'd say scary. <laughs> yeah, and, it, you know, sort of to that point about growing up, right, the growing mm-hmm. up process, there's a sense of individuation, right? I am my own person, and my choices are my own, and I, and my, my life is important. My life is mm-hmm. important. My joy is important. My selfhood is important, and, you know, I just, I think there's a lot of growing up in that decision of like, I'm going to be my own person now. And that's really a part of individuation that not everybody goes through, you know, in terms of child development, that's supposed to happen as you're entering teenagehood, right? 12 or 13, Mm -hmm. we're meant to individuate from our parents, but a lot of us don't. I know, I don't think I individuated till my twenties and it, it feels to me like there's almost a rite of passage around that kind of thing of saying like, this is my life. I'm taking, I'm taking control of my life and it's scary. And here we go. Yeah. I think you have to keep doing that. I think sometimes in a relationship you can lose that again. Oh, it's so true. I mean, it's like, <laughs> it's like a constant process of um, negotiating boundaries, right? Like where are my boundaries? How do I stay grounded? How do we, how do we team up so that we each stay grounded and that I don't sort of sacrifice myself to this other person again, you know, that's something I hear repeatedly from people in our program. And also from just my friends is like that, that is an ongoing, it's an ongoing conversation, especially at, I think at the beginning of a relationship when you're, there's all the dopamine and you just kind of want to be around each other all the time, like learning to stay grounded and to, to stick with yourself, right? To not self-abandon is, it's an ongoing journey. So um, as we start to wrap here, I'm wondering if, um, yeah, if each of you can just share a little bit. Um, we haven't, I, I, would, I would briefly just like to hear from each of you about um, what your dating experiences have been since getting divorced. Like, have you noticed, what have you noticed about your dating experiences, including sex uh, post-divorce? Because I think that can be a source of anxiety for some folks. And then where do you sort of see yourself going in terms of this, you know, relationship journey from here? For me, I, um, 
I, I've been, you know, in another longer term relationship and now I've started and in another with a few, uh, with some brief dating, you know, dating in between for me, I, I it, I have had, uh, sexual experience outside after divorce has been something that has, uh, requires me, I, I really do need to be, I know this about myself, need to be in a, but a monogamous type situation, just what, what feels comfortable for me because I need to feel safe enough there um, to be expressive there if I have a lot to express and to bring, but I really require, I, I need that kind of sense of safety. And so I've been um, happy to, to, to find that actually it's been, uh, it is now, it was, far the best that I've ever um, have experienced before. It's been this, it's been uh, very good. And I've been focused on, you know, as opposed to earlier on where I focused on wanting, needing, like CJ mentioned, a sense of being validated by uh, being in a relationship and being chosen. Um, really thinking about how I want to feel in a relationship and where, <laughs> what, what's okay and what's not okay, where my boundaries are. And, and, and I lead with that stuff. I lead with vulnerability and, and try to be real. I don't want to find out three months in that, yeah, we have a lot of things in common except for what we really want to need from each other. And um, so it's, it's required, uh, well, a, a lot of vulnerability and willing to just bring up difficult things. If something comes up, bring it up. If something comes up for her that we talk about it and, and a level of honesty that has become a um, uh, a non-negotiable for me. So I, I I have even on dating apps. That's kind of my profile. Maybe sounds um, uh, it, it. That's what I led with. What this is what I'm looking for. This is what I uh, need. And and because uh, um, I don't want to spend a lot of time um, just. For me, dating for quote the fun of it or just to meet a lot of different people, it just hasn't felt right to me. And uh, but it's it's worked out, it's worked out well, honestly. Even though there have been some things that have been difficult overall, it's just I feel like I've been building towards a uh, uh, more complete relationship um, through the experiences over time and the ongoing process of learning about myself. And so I, it's been frightening and extremely rewarding and uh, um, very good overall. Yeah, the word that actually comes to me is freeing when I hear you talking about it. Yeah, I can just be myself and breathe in this relationship. Now it's, um, it's, it's incredible. I, I, not something I really knew before. Yay, I'm celebrating that with you. <laughs> Uh, this so uh, see, for, for me it's just um, well, also about learning about learn about myself um, and you know, seek, seeking the monogamous relationship but at the same time while going through the process is not having any expectations and not putting the expectation on myself upon that expectation on on the person I'm dating or and at the same time, uh, setting boundaries and communicating those boundaries. Uh, that has been challenging for me to communicate those boundaries. And uh, and that's one part that I've been working on myself. But 
for the most part, it's um, definitely not picturing these ex expectations and and focusing on the present moment and just being being there and being present. And so that's uh, that's also been another uh, for myself also a learning curve. And just to clarify, when you say expectations, do you mean like, hey, we went on a date and it went really well, we should get married next month, like, or just sort of future pacing in your mind of expectations around like the future? Is that what you mean? Yes, definitely not not being attached to an outcome. <laughs> <laughs> definitely not. Yeah. Hey, we're just meeting meet for coffee, dinner, ice cream, going for a walk. That, that's, you know, just... Uh, See their, you know, their chemistry, attraction. See what's here. Yes. Yeah. I agree. It's, it, to be able to not have, like, oh, my God, this has to be it, or, it's, or this isn't going to be okay, it, it, that be, that's also feels free to mm -hmm. be able to show up and be present and then take what this is giving you and be open to the opportunities, and, uh, but it doesn't have to be something. Um, it'll be something, but it doesn't have to be what you, you don't have to need it to be something. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it doesn't have to be everything. Um, and that, and that's been a huge theme for me too. I mean, cause I, for me, you know, the marriage when, when we first got together and, and all through the first several years of it, um, if you wanted to say, if you asked me then, if I believed in soulmates, I would have said, yes, absolutely. And I found mine. <laughs> um, and you know, since then, I don't, I don't think it needs to be everything. I think everything that you need is inside yourself. And if you resonate with somebody and it's good, then enjoy it. And if you decide to commit to each other, then decide that. Um, but, you know, I also fully believe that you can always leave each other better, better than you found each other. I don't think um, stereotypes around breakups always have to be like what they are. Oh, we don't talk anymore. Now we have to choose friends. I don't, I, to me, that's, you know, that's high school <laughs> and it happens. Sometimes things get bad, you know, sometimes, and, and then, um, you know, that's real life, but, you know, I don't think that has to be the default. Um, you know, and for me actually dating after, after marriage, I mean, I, I'll just be honest. I've, um, before, before marriage, I was the, the shy kid in high school. My wife was my first intimate experience. Um, and, like I said, we got married young, spent all this time together, and that was my 20s, right? Um, and so there was a lot of um, learning that world, learning the dating world and developing that skill um, that didn't happen because I was in a marriage for all that time. Um, so right now, the just I, I think I've, or I want to say I know I've, let go of the insecurities and fears around it just through a lot of work and and some support um but it's just not the skill isn't there and when i have broken through that and um um yeah when i've broken through that with women it's been very comfortable it's been very natural um it's the breaking of the ice part that's um that's been the struggle i think yeah i hear that i i think you know i there are a lot of men in the program and men that I've worked with that have a similar story, CJ, of getting together with someone young and then 
doing the married thing for like a really long time. Some of the men I've worked with were married for 35 years before Mm. they either got divorced or some of them were widowed actually. And then, you know, they're getting, I say back on the dating scene, but the truth is they were never on the dating scene. Exactly. (laughs) They're so young, like at, you know, 19 or 20 years old. Like what is this dating scene thing? How does that work? (laughs) Like, I don't know what this is. And so, you know, like you said, some of it is, is the, the skills of learning this world. Yeah. My ex and I, we just met and it worked. Like there was no pursuit in either direction. It was like, Hey, yeah, what, what I what I will say is um, the the friendships I've developed, um, even with there's been um, a couple of women in particular that I was interested in. And um, there was one in particular that we had kind of a friends with benefits thing going on for a little while, which was awesome and comfortable and relaxed. And we were both very um, it was it was very easy. Um, not not that it was easy, but <laughs> there was an ease to it. You know what I mean? Um, and since then, um, we've both had um, either dates or connections or relationships since then. And we're fantastic friends now. Um, and it's not some sappy friend zone story thing. I, 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 I've developed, um, some really deep, meaningful friendships, um, through just trying to date (laughs) and, and I'm incredibly grateful for that. Yeah, it can be really rewarding in that way. And I, I really loved what you said earlier about setting your, you didn't say it like this, but sort of setting yourself up for success by having tools that you can rely on. And Mm -hmm. something that jumped out to me from what you said was having community and having, you know, particularly brotherhood or other friends, like the ones you just described, whether they're men or women, but just having community around that can, you can, you can get connection from so that when you are on those days of like the, the low self-esteem days, right. The low self-worth days that we all have, that there is some support around, right. That the, that the, you already have around you, what you need to your point about tools, that it's not like you have nothing and you have nothing to go on. It's like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm having a down day and I know what to do. And I have sort of resources there. Like I have people I can call. I have groups that will have my back. I have music. You know, there's, it's a totally different experience than being completely isolated and having nowhere to turn. It's like, exactly. Yeah. A temporary state rather than perhaps a more permanent state that can, become something like depression or anxiety it's like a rolling experience that you're moving through rather than getting stuck in right yeah and and it's it's a balance too between not needing one specific circumstance to happen or one specific hole to be filled um, so to speak and it's a balance of having everything you need around you whether it's diving into creativity or or just having community, having depth, expressing yourself or, um, or getting under the nature or whatever you got to do with your life. And also not feeling shame or feeling bad for having natural wants and natural desires. For me, there was a lot of work involved in separating that, that need to fill a worthiness and a natural want. And they kind of blended together for so long that I was like, I shouldn't even have this natural one. I need to make the want go away and just need be entirely happy. But, but 
there's a natural desire there for connection that exists and that part's okay. <laughs> and yeah, you can, absolutely. you can breathe and allow yourself to feel that um, and have it not be a need, but it's, it's okay to want to go to Disneyland, you know, but you don't need to go there. <laughs> That's yeah. Very well said, or it's okay to want sex. It's okay to want sex. It doesn't make you bad or wrong. Right. Or right. Yeah. And, the, and I think for a lot of guys, there's a lot of shame around that. Um, yeah. So uh, we're going to start to wrap here. And I'm just wondering if you guys, you know, if there's a man listening who is in the midst of getting a divorce or recently divorced, do you have any final piece of advice you would give him as he, as he gets back out there or has, as he's moving through that particular phase? I would say take some time reflect as honest as you can about the previous relationship and what, uh, what was working, what wasn't working, what you've learned from the richness of what that risk would have provided and, um, figure out, you know, keep work on yourself. I mean, to integrate that, you know, the other past pains and, and what you've learned from that past relationship and move forward, you have to take some time to feel the feelings um, so that things can't heal. And to, otherwise they just kind of, you just keep the same, same patterns going and, and just the best that you can on an evolving process to be uh, move forward with honesty about who you are and what you want and to be in need and be okay with that and, and, and bring that and lead with it. And, and then kind of, wait for it to come see what you attract and and just be open hey, that's a lot <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> yeah, this francisco um yeah with paul mentioned you know having those feelings you're gonna you're gonna go through those feelings are they gonna hurt absolutely uh but you gotta you gotta get through it go and push yourself through and just know that it doesn't end there. There's life afterwards, and um, you know whether it's re, you know connections, reconnecting, reinventing. Um, it's yeah. Keep yeah. It's it slow down, but at the same time keep moving forward. Um, and always uh, build that support, that having that support network, and uh, which is. Uh, extremely very helpful and there's and beneficial thank you yeah i mean for me the the biggest absolutely biggest thing has been community um both in um just the network i've built out here um specifically through music through common interests and through stumbling into um real human beings i can see <laughs> and um, see their faces and connect with, and then also finding a finding a community where you can voice some of these things, um, like like the group that the three of us are in, or the four of us. <laughs> um, finding a sounding board, finding even if it's with just close friends, it doesn't have to be um, something like this, but um, a safe place where you can get feedback and just vent if you need to vent. Um, without fear of shame and then and then internally 
you, you know, just perspective wise, I'll just echo what the other guy said. Um, I mean, as you were saying it, <laughs> um, I was thinking it slow down, um, allow yourself to feel it. Don't rush out of the feelings. Don't go try to drown them or soothe them or make it all go away. Right. Like just know that what you're feeling is allowed. It's normal. And, uh, let yourself matter enough to take care of yourself. Like you would think of a good friend, you know? Hmm. I love that. Yeah, that would be my my main advice too is you don't have to do this alone. So get into community. And with that, we will wrap. And if you are a man who is interested in possibly joining our community, you can go to evolutionary.men slash training and find more there. <laughs>